We're going to be uh, reading out of Luke. Uh, We're going to cover chapter 1 and chapter 2. Not all of the chapters, but a good portion of them. And so we're just going to read, and I'm going to kind of just talk and share and uh, elaborate in between. So uh, let's go ahead and and get to it. Uh, Luke chapter 1, we're going to read verses 26 um, through the end of the chapter. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now, I find this funny because he hadn't even mentioned anything about the pregnancy yet. And she's already confused and disturbed. You know, he hadn't even gotten to the part that's really disturbing, that you are a virgin and you're going to have a baby. But she's already confused and disturbed. What's she confused about? What what part of what the angel, those eight simple words that he said, what part of that threw her? Mary was young. Mary was poor. And Mary was female. All characteristics that in her day and time, disqualified her from doing anything truly significant. In her mind, it would be a natural response to seem unusable by God. Favored? How am I favored? I'm just a poor young woman. Why would I be favored of God? Could be her response. My friends, how often do we disqualify ourselves based on the way we look and view ourselves? How often do we disqualify ourselves from the ways that God wants to use us because we sit there and we automatically go to our checklist to see if we measure up or don't measure up and so often in our minds we don't measure up so how could God use me? This was the response that we had from Mary. How do we know this is what threw her? How do we know this is what confused her? Because we see the angel's response. Don't be afraid, Mary. Verse 30, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will know no end. His kingdom will never end. The birth of Jesus to a virgin is, it's a miracle that many people find hard to believe, and I take comfort in the fact that even Mary questioned this. Mary asked the angel in verse 34, How can this happen? I am a virgin. How can this happen? I am a virgin. I want to make something totally clear. God doesn't get angry at us questioning him. He doesn't. He he welcomes open dialogue. He doesn't get angry with our questioning of him. What he gets angry, I think, at is looking at us and seeing what he sees in us, seeing the potential, seeing the future, but us backing out because we've disqualified ourselves. 
because we've said, I'm not worthy. We've based it about some sort of scale of worthiness or what our education is or what our experience is or our own level of righteousness. We can't let our questions and doubts prevent us from saying yes to his plan. The angel replied, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Luke one thirty seven. For nothing is impossible with God. I love that verse. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. What was Mary's response to the Lord? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I I don't know how you're going to do it. I I still haven't put all the pieces together in my mind, but what you say, let it be. What you say, let it be. Yes, Lord. What's our response to the Lord? What's our response to Him? Is it, but I'm, I'm so undeserving, Lord, use someone else. Is it, Lord, I, I'm not ready. Lord, I'm not qualified. Lord, I, I'm unlovely, undeserving, unwhatever. Or is it, yes, Lord, you are my king. I don't know how you're going to do it, and I don't know why you chose me, and I feel humbled, but I'm willing. So, yes, Lord, uh, yes, Don't limit God's choices. He can use you. He can use me. He can use us if we'll trust Him. And don't let appearances deter you from letting Him use you. If I had a a title for today's message, it would be uh, a Christmas appearance. And we see in this instance with Mary the appearance she had of herself. My friends, let's not let appearances stop us from God using us. Uh, I want to bring your attention to another one of Gabriel's visits that happened long before. So in Daniel chapter 9, the first part of Daniel kind of tells some pretty awesome stories in the Old Testament. It tells about stories of valor and triumph and courage and defeating fear. And then the last part of Daniel is a very prophetic book. And so this comes from Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. It says, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord, my God, for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. Uh, Let's skip down to verse 25. Now listen and understand. Something, just an obvious note here. At the end of verse 22, it says, Daniel, I've come to give you insight and understanding. 
Then here at the beginning of verse 25, it says, Now listen and understand. Uh, I know this is obvious, but to receive insight and understanding, we must listen and understand. Now, in the course of preparing this message, um, I couldn't get away from one voice that just rang in my ears, and that was the voice of Jesse Jackson. So if you will say this this little verse in, in the in the voice and the rhythm of Jesse Jackson, it's really impacting. Um, to to uh, receive insight and understanding, we must listen and understand. I'm not going to attempt the Jesse Jackson right now. I could. I'm not saying I couldn't. I could do the Jesse Jackson, uh, but I will not. But we need to listen. We need to understand. Sometimes we make understanding this thing that is not ours to be grasped. It has to be this huge revelatory thing. We got to listen. How often are we too, too busy to listen? How often are we trying to figure it out that we just don't gain understanding? Now listen and understand, verse 25. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Gabriel is talking to Daniel about the birth of Jesus. Jerusalem will be built with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. The anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. Appearances and everything, folks. And for all the ugly men in the room whose wives have married us for known and unknown reasons, we can be thankful of that. That appearances and everything. And men, let's not be twofold. We're not pretty. I love that. The anointed one will be killed appearing to have accomplished nothing. Yeah, he healed some people. Yeah, he even raised the dead. But that's not what he said he came here to do. That's not what Scripture said he came here to do. It says he came to conquer death, to conquer sin, to purchase our sin with his blood. Appearance isn't everything. Things are not as they appear. We're going to continue in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Jesus, or Joseph rather, was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. She wasn't a little pregnant. It was third trimester, baby. She was obviously pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Great! Just great! That might be our response. It's bad enough i got to pay the government their taxes... But now I've got to travel all the way to, to the land of great, great, great Grandpa David. Thanks a lot, Grandpa. And since Mary, my wife, my pregnant wife, my very pregnant wife, is a descendant of David also, she's got to come with me. Stupid census. Stupid donkey. 
Traveling by donkey ain't no fun. That, that could be our response. That could, we see that that wasn't Joseph's response, but how often do we look at a situation and we immediately find the negative in it? In fact, we, how often do we look at a situation and, and we just fail to see the blessing of it? You know what's cool about this? About this inconvenient situation? God used the Roman government and this census to fulfill prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So God used the government, baby. It's about time someone uses the government. It wasn't necessarily a smooth ride. God didn't deliver Joseph and Mary from the travels via Burro. He gave them the strength to do it. He gave them the strength to press on. Sometimes we think to ourselves, God, I'm being obedient. So why aren't things getting better? We face pain, discomfort, and inconvenience and immediately think that we have either missed God's will or that God has made a mistake. Really, my friends? Really, pain and inconvenience and discomfort are signs that we've missed God's will? We're promised, as Christians, a life free of pain, discomfort, and inconvenience. I don't know where. Find it for me, because it's not here. I see quite the, the contrary. I see that He will strengthen us through everything we walk through. But we have to walk through it. It's a very religious mindset that says, hey, things are going very difficult for you. You missed God. That's not true. If that is true, Mary missed God. Jesus missed Good Lord. But watch this godly couple as they travel to Bethlehem. God didn't soften Joseph's road, but strengthened him. God didn't provide a comfortable, cozy inn for Joseph and Mary, but brought his son into the world in very humble surroundings. When we do God's will, we're not guaranteed comfort. We're not guaranteed convenience. But we are promised that everything, we're promised that everything, even discomfort and inconvenience, has meaning in His plan if we trust Him. God will guide us and God will provide us with all we need. But we must live each day by faith, trusting that God is in charge. Do we see a theme here? Too often, uh, when we hear that God will meet our needs, we define that in, in a very personal way, but a really ungodly way, because we, we define our needs as something beyond our needs. Um, you know, I've shared this story before, and, and I'm going to share it again. Three years ago, in December, right before we planted Impact Rock, right before we started Impact Rock, I started a new business, and it was tough getting going, and the previous business I had started didn't do so good and ended up closing our doors and now we're about to start a church. 
And in December, we get a foreclosure notice posted on our door. So right away, being the man of faith that I am, I start praying. I'm like, Lord, this is not your will. We're not going to lose this house. Lord, you know, our babies were born in this house. Our kids were raised in this house. Lord, we're not going to lose this house because you wouldn't be glorified in that and that is not your will. So Lord, I stand in faith that we're not going to be foreclosed on. And I led my family in that prayer. Baby, let's pray this way. And then one day I'm praying that way. Lord, I know we're not going to lose this house. I know we're not going to be foreclosed on because Lord, if we were foreclosed on, Lord, that wouldn't glorify you. You wouldn't receive glory in that. And, and he just stopped me. He goes, really? Really? That's bigger than me? If you lost your house, I couldn't find a way to receive glory in that? If you lost your house, I couldn't turn that for my good, me, my good, and his glory? And at that moment, I dropped to my knees and I started crying and I said, Lord, I repent. You are bigger. This is just a stupid house. And if we lose this house, Lord God, you've got another house for us. And I trust you. Lord, I don't want to lose the house. But if we do, I trust you. My eyes are on you. You are bigger. You will turn it for your glory. You will turn it for our good. I trust you. It's okay to pray not to lose the house. But what is not okay is to let that be the end of your world. To let that be the end all be all. We don't put our faith in finances. We don't put our faith in our home. We don't put our faith in our, in our checkbook. We don't put our faith in the government. We don't put our faith in ourselves. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, amazingly enough, um, uh, God so provided. My business just picked up. God just started doing some amazing things. We didn't lose the house, but I, I swear to you, I kind of wish we had because I wanted to see what God had. I, I, I'm totally serious. I was bummed. I'm like, oh, going to the Jefferson County trustee's office here. So redeem my foreclosure. But I'm, actually, I wasn't. That's a little exaggeration, but I'm serious. He, he would have done something. He would have made a way but I'm so thankful for that because I learned not to put my eyes on something temporal like a stinking house. And my friends got couches. Couch city, baby. It's not the worst thing in the world. Sleeping in couches is not the worst thing in the world. Maybe you've only got your kids a single present for Christmas this year. He provides all you need. And what your kids need. So just love those kids. Hug those kids. Laugh with those kids. Sing with those kids. Open the word and read, read the Christmas story. But don't put your eyes on something like gifts or Santa Claus to validate this season. That's not what this is about. We know that's not what it's about. But friends, we still make it about that, right? It's pretty hard for us not to make it about that. It's not what it's about. Verse 7. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Just for the record, it wasn't Mary and Joseph's boy that was laid in a manger, which could also be just a dark, dirty cave. It wasn't, it wasn't Mary and Joseph's boy. It was the Son of God. Let's not... 
We always want to provide the best. But let's make sure we're providing God's best. Amen? And laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Don't you love that? Good news that will bring great joy. Great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. What a birth announcement. What a birth announcement that it brings terror. That's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, it's like, yeah, I just had a baby. So I'm jumped out, ah, ah, hey, congratulations on the baby. You know, we hear that heavenly host. We hear, you know, there was all of a sudden the angel was joined by heavenly hosts. And so it might be easy to think, oh, you know, it's angels serving warm snickerdoodles. Here you go. Oh, what a good host. No, that word host is stratia. It means an army, a band of soldiers, the host of heaven, troops of angels, the heavenly bodies, stars of heaven, so-called on account of their number and order. So you got an angel sitting there making this declaration, immediately followed by the armies of heaven. They were terrified at first. At that point, they had to be re-terrified all over again. Can you imagine looking up and they're making the declaration of the birth of Jesus, the armies of heaven in one voice declaring, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. My first response is, Lord, let me be one of those with whom God is pleased. (laughs) That's the announcement that God chose. But let's not Forget who the audience is. Who did he choose to make this announcement to? Shepherds. Humble, hardworking, blue collar, average Joe, working stiff, shepherds. The greatest event in the world's history had just happened. The Messiah had been born. For centuries, the Jewish people had waited for this. And when it finally occurred, the announcement came to shepherds. The good news about Jesus Christ is this. He comes to all of us. Just as we are. He brings his good news to those that are humble and those that are willing those that are humble to receive it and those that are willing to share it. Church, do we have a humble heart? Humble enough to accept Him? Are we willing 
willing to share him. He chose to appear to shepherds. After all, appearance isn't everything. Maybe in our minds we think he should have appeared to kings. But that's that wasn't his plan there and it's not his plan now. Verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone about what had happened and what the angel said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. First, the shepherds ran to see the baby. Then they ran to spread the good news. Huh. That's it. We run to see Jesus. And after being with him, we run to tell others. Right? We run to see Jesus. We run to experience Jesus. You know what I love? I love that Christianity and the Bible isn't, it doesn't say just close your eyes and believe. Jesus says, seek me and you'll find me. We are encouraged and challenged in the word to, to seek him, to prove him. Because he's, he just can't wait to reveal himself to us. Yes, we have faith. The faith comes in saying once we believe, okay, I give you my life. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. I believe. And so I trust you with my life. I trust you with tomorrow. Whoever you are, whatever you do, you can have Jesus in your life. You don't need extraordinary qualifications and you don't even have to clean yourself up. Isn't that interesting talking about the King of Kings? You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to make yourself presentable before him. You go before him and you say, all I have is this right here. But you said you'd use it. You said you want to use me. And I don't even understand why. So here I am. We don't even have to clean ourselves up to be before his presence. He won't do that. In fact, that's what Jesus did. The work of Jesus Christ was cleaning us up and make us presentable so that we could stand before the Father and He could look and go, Oh, I've got great things for you. You know what grace is? Undeserved merit. Undeserved favor. My friends, it wasn't just Mary that's favored of God. Blessed are you. Favored of God. That applies to you. I'm talking to you. Blessed are you, favored of God. Lord, I, I'm just a poor, young, unusable whatever. Or, Lord, I'm a rich, old, unusable whatever. It doesn't matter. He wants to use us. He wants us to come to Him and then to go and tell others. 
according to Mary's perception of herself, she didn't appear to be one who was favored of God. But she was wrong. According to the long taxing trip, play on words, taxing, that was intended. Joseph and Mary, to them, that trip might not have seemed like blessing. But that perception was wrong. Because at the end of that journey, they experienced the greatest blessing ever given. According to the world's perception, it didn't appear that the armies of heaven had chose the right audience to make that announcement to. But God always chooses the humble and the willing to do his work and to spread his word. According to the face value of what Jesus had accomplished, it might not have appeared that he had saved and conquered. Definitely might not have seemed that way for the three days when Jesus was in that tomb. I'm certain it didn't appear that way for the three days that Jesus was in that tomb. See, Christmas time, we talk about baby Jesus. But baby Jesus existed for the cross. He was born to die. Not in vain. Not in vain. In fact, my friends, there wasn't a single drop of his blood that was in vain. There's not a single drop of his blood that was wasted on the ground for useless reason. It all had purpose. Here's the purpose right here. You and I, so that we could be brought into relationship and rulership with the Father. But it didn't end at the cross. He died. They buried him. They doubted. Friends, it's okay for you and I to doubt. It's okay for us to question. The key is to run to Jesus. To have that dialogue with the Father. On the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. Then he spent 40 days walking, talking, eating, proving, hey, I'm alive. You know what's awesome? Roman government has, has record that Jesus arose from the grave. Jewish uh, writings has proven that Jesus rose from the grave. In addition to our faith as, as believers, that Jesus rose from the grave. Whether he lives right now should not be in question. He lives. I said this a few weeks back. He sits at the right hand of the Father. Why does he sit at the right hand of the Father? Why is he sitting down? Because you rest when it's finished. When, when it's a job well done, I'm going to sit in my lazy boy and, hey, I'm, it's, it's finished. It's done. His work is finished. What does that mean, friends? That means you don't got to earn it. It is You can't earn it. I can't earn it. I can't doll myself up. That's, I, that doesn't even sound right, doll myself up. I can't cal myself, you know, I don't know. I can't fix myself up so much that I even appear to be deserving of what Jesus did for me. I, I can't uh, present myself in a way that in any way convinces me that I'm worthy. I know who I am. But more than I know who I am, I know who He is. 
Friends, it's, it's Jesus that we celebrate this season. It's Jesus that, that I have chosen to run to and to go and tell others about. Jesus is your Messiah. He is your Savior. He paid the price for your sin. I am all about works, but I'm more about grace because it's not my works that have earned anything. It is His grace that paid the price for me. Have you received this gift? It's Christmas, right? It's all about giving gifts. It's nice to receive gifts too. Well, God's the giver in this scenario and and He has a gift for us. That gift is the gift of salvation and it's free just because, just because He loves you. His grace is free. His forgiveness is free. His healing is free. His life is free. His freedom is free because Jesus paid for it. Have you discovered a Lord that's so wonderful that when you're with Him, you can't contain the joy? You have to run out and tell others. Have you experienced Him? If you're here tonight and you've never experienced what I'm talking about, it's as simple as this. I I swear to you, it's as simple as this. It's as simple as receiving it. Like with any gift. God's standing there handing it out saying, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You just have to receive it. If everyone could close their eyes, but please just stay locked in to me. If you're here tonight and you've never received that gift, maybe in your past you've somehow made it about your unworthiness. Maybe you've disqualified yourself because of how you appear to yourself. Or maybe there have been hurts and disappointments and betrayals that have prevented you from receiving this gift. But I just want to encourage you. God is here right now offering that gift. And all you got to do is receive it and say yes. I ask people to close their eyes just because I want to to be honest with you, I want to just make this easy for you. If you want to receive that free gift of salvation and of grace and of life, free because Jesus paid for it with his life, with his blood. I just want you to lock eyes with me, raise your hand so that you and I will know that this day you are saying yes to him. This day you are receiving what he has. (laughs) Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Just just lock eyes with me. Raise your hand. Let's just make it obvious that you're receiving what he has. Amen. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't mind giving it a minute. Is there anyone else? You're saying yes to his forgiveness. Yes, to his salvation. Hmm. 
are. Lord, I thank you for your love, for your goodness. Lord, I thank you. It's not about appearance. It's not about how we see ourselves or how it seems. Lord, it's definitely not about what we deserve because your grace is unmerited. Your favor is not something we earn. It's because you love us and you are great. Lord, I thank you for every person, every family, every individual who's here tonight, every child, every couple. Lord, I thank you for the plan the purpose and the destiny that you have. Lord, I thank you for those people that have responded to you tonight to saying yes to you. Yes, they believe. Yes, they receive. Lord, I thank you. Lord, for the the celebration in heaven right now. Lord, I just speak blessing on, on everyone who's here tonight. Lord God, let us leave this place with not our eyes set on ourselves or our eyes set on just the unique things about this season. But Lord, let us leave here with our eyes set on you. Not the baby, not the teacher, not the man on the cross, and definitely not the man in the grave, but our resurrected, victorious, triumphant King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.